I'm Molly O'Connor. And I'm Sarah Connell Sanders. And you're listening to Pop It. This is the podcast for popping questions, popping bottles, and pop culture. This week on Pop It, we are chatting with Andrea French, the Vice President of Sustainable Comfort in Worcester. Sustainable Comfort designs thoughtful buildings with minimal environmental impact while maintaining the architectural integrity of Worcester's housing stock. Thank you for having us yes. at Sustainable Comfort. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's, this is a very welcoming office. Oh my God. I thought we were just going to like a normal <laughs> office and I walked in. There's this huge map of Worcester on the wall. And there's many lime green accents. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's this tiny leather chair that Molly sat in and she looked like a Victorian child. I feel like I sometimes just because of my like coloring look like a Victorian <laughs> child anyways though. <laughs> like I feel like that's a thing about me. <laughs> like I might be a ghost. But you had mentioned earlier that the president, Bert LaValle, mm-hmm. had, or he took a lot of pride in making this a beautiful space. Where did you guys work together before? Um, we worked for a company called Comfort Systems USA. They're a mechanical contractor, so they do like HVAC. Is that how you met? Yes. And yeah. you said that was a pretty bland, cubicle-friendly office? Yeah, I mean, we tried there, but it wasn't as, you know, I think... Albert likes an office with pizzazz and some nice furniture. And when he went off and did a spin-off startup and started Sustainable Comfort, that was like one of the things he enjoyed is creating a nice space. So I love it. And we found out about this place in part because we both have connections to Armsby Abbey, which is a restaurant right downstairs. And friends of ours from the industry kept getting poached by Bert. And like, and even a friend of mine from Worcester Magazine ended up here. And I'm like, he's got great taste. Absolutely. (laughs) I just think it's so funny because our friend Ian, who came to work here from Armsby Abbey, he was like, he was like, I'm moving on. Like, and I was like, you literally moved to upstairs, (laughs) like three floors up. Um, we really find that like hospitality people have the right kind of training that we're, you know we're customer focused or oh my god Ellen would kill me I'm talking about Ellen Benson from Simjang uh, who has been on a guest on our show <laughs> yes yes I listened to her episode um, Ellen hates the word customer she goes she it's um, client or guest so um, but hospitality like within your portfolio they're just trained to think about people and making human human interactions and so they're just great additions to any team. Awesome. It was funny. I walked in. Of course, Ian is at a stand-up desk, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this kid's never sat down in his life, right? Like, he's so used to being behind a bar or managing a restaurant, and he's like, yep, we stand up every day about this time. 60% of the time. (laughs) But it was a big weekend in the service industry in particular. I know a lot of people have talked about the dive bar closing, but it was like I don't know. It was really emotional. Oh, I cried so much. Mm-hmm. I cried so much. I was, yeah, I was, uh, I just was devastated. <laughs> the best story in all the conversations I had, I think, came from Alec Lopez. He was talking about our friend Amber, who grew up working at Arms Abbey in the dive bar. And I say grew up, like she really, she started as a hostess when she was, still a teen or something oh and then she turned 21 when we were all at the abbey and then she went on to be one of the best bartenders at the dive and um he said when she was a little girl i gave her a toy a little, shark 
like a little girl, because he knew her mom, and he said, I gave her a toy shark. I'd never seen a kid get so excited about anything in my whole life. He's like, she was so pumped. And so when we decided we were going to close, everyone keeps giving me a hard time about who's going to get what off the walls of the dive bar, because it's just covered in amazing like nautical antiques. And he said, I knew exactly who's going to get the shark. And it's like a real yeah. large preserved shark (laughs) exactly what you're talking about and he offered it to amber garno and she was so pleased and so happy and she goes i'm gonna hang it up in my living room (laughs) but that was the most touching moment for me yeah well that makes sense too because i think it's like it's one thing when you are like to have to be a patron of the dive bar and have that relationship to it but i think for the people who work there like in any capacity over the years they did truly become like a family. Um, and you could really see that, especially like at the end there, mm-hmm. that like small community. Yeah. Uh, I We talk a lot about the importance of mental health here the same way that our physical health is important. I've been doing a good job at like going to see a therapist regularly. And that's something that always had a stigma for me. I think as my mom is a therapist, I was like, oh, I'm not going. And I've started doing it the last few years and it's so important. She said the funniest thing to me this week. I was like, you know, I'm really bummed about a bar. And she's like, oh, the dive bar? I've had five clients come in and talk about it this week. I thought that was crazy. That is crazy. I told my therapist about it too. And she was like very, very sympathetic (laughs) to my plight. Yeah. She goes, you know, you can love a place just as much as you love a person. Um, And I was, you know, really touched by that. But I wasn't alone. Yeah. So let's see. We also had another important event on Saturday. There was the Veterans 5K, and your whole team from Sustainable Comfort did that. That was amazing. Yeah, I think there was about 20 of us. We became friends. Andrea and I became friends because we were, like, on the same path together. It was, like, the two of us and, like, some dude. And he would, like, start. He would, like, take a break from running, and he'd be like, okay. (laughs) He was awesome. Did he pump you all up? He pumped me up. I was like, this guy rules. Um, But, yeah, we didn't even realize. No, we had no idea that we were going to be. Yeah, I was, like, power walking. You were like, I can power walk this and have a good time because I have long yeah, legs. Exactly. And I was like, wow, she really is. I ran the entire time and you beat me. <laughs> but you ran the entire time. That was amazing. Yeah, well, this is the first time I trained for any sort of running event ever. I had not run since the spring. So I was like, I was a little rusty, but I was like, I'm going to put something into it. I did my best. Sarah, well, what was your time? <laughs> oh, I don't know. But I appreciated everyone being there because... <laughs> Veterans came to me and said, last year we only had 130 people show up. And last year was a rainy day and whatnot, but they said, we're, we really depend on this as a fundraiser, and we're hoping for, a, like, double that, you know? And so this year we had close to 300 people, and your whole team was a big part of that. Um, how did that come about that you guys decided to do that as a group activity for your business? Okay, so we have this group called the Hype Squad, <laughs> And the Hype Squad's job is to kind of decide some of the marketing direction for the company and also some of the team building activities we do. And we just did this like, everybody bring your 20 best ideas or 10 best ideas to the table. And so that came up as one of Albert's or Bert, as you guys call him. Um, I call him Albert as one of his ideas. He's like, you know, we have a lot of runners here, but we also have some people that I know probably would appreciate the opportunity to get some exercise or just do something team building. And he said, I think we should sign up and do a 5K. And Ellen, 
being like Miss Hospitality and Miss Event Coordinator, she was tasked with identifying a 5K, and she found Veterans Inc. But um, it's actually really close to our hearts because our property administrator Tracy Racine, she lost her son in the um, Iraq War. And um, she runs that race in honor of him every year. And so she, when she heard we were doing it, yeah, I know. She, I think she got a little teary-eyed. So we also ran with pins with his face on it in memoriam of him. I had no idea that you were doing that in solidarity. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. It was really cool to see just even outside of that, just all of the, like, lime green like you, that you guys had matching shirts, yep. so they were and they were like bright green, and it was really cool to see because it was like everywhere. It was like spread out, and so everywhere you looked, there was like a member of the team. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Ellen wanted to do these gray shirts, and I was like, no, we're all about safety and doing things right. We got to do the safety colors. <laughs> and then she was like, well, this is bright, and I was like, we can't miss each other. You couldn't. Like, you could see your teammates from, well, because you retrace your steps, you see everybody laughing at you, but at least you could, like, yay at everyone. <laughs> we saw the sign when we walked into your office that said something like, that no time has been lost due to an accident in 350 days or whatever. Yes. So I could sense the safety right away and the value of safety here. I know that you guys probably have a lot of challenges when it comes to property management in Worcester. I was curious, in your role, what are the biggest challenges? Repairs, rent, leasing, security deposits, and how do you manage them? Okay. Um, can I go off your list? Yeah, go okay. for it. All right. So the biggest challenge for us is – so we – the thing that – we have all these different business units we do, and the thing that pulls them all together is our dedication to healthier buildings and sustainability. And so sustainability – means so, more, so much more to us than just like making a green building. It's like sustaining communities, sustaining employees. Like the, the idea of sustainability goes way beyond how buildings are built. And that's kind of our angle. And so what we end up doing in the property management realm, so first of all, it helps us understand how people actually live in the buildings that we create or in multifamily living because not all of the buildings are renovations we've done. But like our role is we look at ourselves as kind of like mediators. So you got this this kind of natural rub between a landlord and a tenant. You know, the landlord wants to keep costs low and the tenant wants everything fixed and they want everything fixed quickly and, you know, that's their home. And so we kind of have to humanize the experience with the landlord kind of wanting us to keep their costs low because we understand that the landlord, if we can help keep their costs down, they can have more money to invest in more buildings, which contribute to the redevelopment or the renaissance of Worcester, if you will. And then on the tenant side, you know, this is these are the people who actually live here. These are the people who call it home. These are the people who want like the best, healthiest living situation. And so they want, every, well, I mean, rightly so, they want everything done and they want it done immediately. And sometimes that's just not within the budget. And so we try to kind of facilitate and find happy mediums. When it is time to do a big maintenance project or a renovation, we try to direct and educate the landlords into what's going to be the healthiest and what's going to be the most sustainable and long-term, like everlasting impact on the, well, not everlasting, but lasting longer than typical maintenance and repairs. Like we were saying, we want to set up buildings that were built 100 years ago for the next 100 years. So we want to try to facilitate and educate. It's almost like you want to put the work in so that then you can just be hands off. I think the way I would characterize it is we 
when you humanize things and people start to understand each other, you start to build community. And that's a huge thing. Like it goes beyond just building buildings. Like what we're trying to do is, you know, I mean, we all can see that the climate is changing and we're trying to do our part to help affect that. And at the same time, as we try to build these better buildings, you know, and we start getting more and more populated, more people are moving to cities and they're living in multifamily settings. And Worcester is a great place and it's experiencing renaissance. He's got all these old buildings and we're just trying to get people to come here. We're trying to build buildings that they want to stay in that are conducive to the modern lifestyle and that like through whatever relations we can affect, whether it be construction or what buying in a neighborhood concept or managing, that um, we're setting up sustainable communities where people feel happy and want to live and be kind of in harmony together. (laughs) It's the corny way to say it. It's like the neighborhood from the good place. You guys are watching The Good Place? We were just talking about yeah. Kristen Bell. Yes, yeah. Can you give us the premise of The Good Place real quick? Basically, it takes place in the afterlife. Mm-hmm. And one of the main settings in this vision of the afterlife is, like, the good place, you know, versus the Heaven. bad place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where there are neighborhoods that are basically shaped around the people who move into them when they die mm-hmm. <laughs> in the afterlife. But it's like the idea is like the neighborhood is built around your personality this group of people, personality and also just like likes, dislikes. Mm-hmm. Everyone has like a soulmate that they're paired with and a house that's built like to their specifications. Like ah. just like things that they would want to have in their homes or in their neighborhoods. I think if I went to the good place, I would have a three decker. <laughs> Why not? It's funny. Well, and I, so I always, talk about I grew up a lot of places you know I um we lived in like 11 different homes before I turned 18 so I lived in all kinds of apartments but we lived probably for the longest period of time in a three-decker on nine Pratt Street (laughs) and when I lived there there was lead paint it was peeling old windows you know and I drove by it just for kicks the other day it's right off Park Ave and it's like totally resided there's these really uh like dependent windows and it just it looked really different and that broke my heart a little even though I know it's a good thing right (laughs) but how do you take an old building that so many generations have been in love with that has been important housing stock for the working class in this city it's historically significant and maintain the integrity of the building but bring it up to contemporary standards okay so um there's a long list of things that we do but you know the the things that I find that are very impactful are a lot of times there's these like hidden porches in the front of each of these buildings that they were built with originally and then they like get screened off and people put storage in there like we've uncovered hidden porches and then we open them up so that the people have like a community space where they can kind of enjoy the outdoors because that's important to people at some point people decided that wasn't important and they so we we actually bring back some of the original structures and some of the things we do um you know, we do. You do have to replace siding. You know, we try to keep a color palette that is fits the neighborhood. You know, that that's kind of a tough one to kind of, you know, make it match the olden days. But we do. We keep original woodwork as much as we can. Actually, we had 
you you would ha- you would have no idea how much time went into staining um, this woodwork that we got to match old woodwork because we wanted to like continue what it looked like. But like the stain ages, and so it was like this whole process of going back and forth to get the stain right. So we we care about details like that. Another thing is you can't see it behind the walls because we do keep like the we keep as much of the original, but we we put in a lot of insulation, and so that doesn't affect the design, but it does affect the um, like building envelope and how tight and yeah livability and stuff. So. We do what we can to kind of like balance both because we understand people want a product and we want, I mean, as a green building company, we want to keep as many elements as we can. I mean, I think some of them, you know, have like a little pulley outside it that we keep from like when they used to pull things up to the third floor. You're getting excited about that. I lived in a a triple decker that had outside the back, there was like a little front porch. Well, actually, no, it was a back porch. It was weird. But outside of the back, there was like an open just like window outside and we had a pulley um clothesline okay and it was the best ever like it was the full clothesline that you would just pull around and you could just like stand in the back and put the clothes on and it was the best i think it was for bringing like big things up to the third floor or something i don't know what this was for but apples or something (laughs) yeah and then we find weird stuff in walls and then like one of these days, we're co- making a collection. We're going to do like a hashtag found oh. in walls. Can you give us just one with oh. something you found in a wall. Oh, God. Like, like one of those old bug sprayers. I wouldn't have even known it was a thing. It's like this little glass thing with this like tube on it that you. And then we found this tin train set. And that's cool. Yeah. I don't know. That's Our construction manager loves it. Haunted. <laughs> yeah. These places sound cursed. Uh, they're not. It's like heaven on earth, like you said. Okay, so that brings me to marketing. <laughs> How do you approach things um, in 2019, given the prevalence of social media and everything else? Um, so first and foremost, a lot of what we do is just stay true to our brand and who we are. You know, we actually did this branding exercise where we had a brand consultant come in and ask us all these questions. It was like therapy, seriously. Like, if you were a gender, what would you be? Like as a company, if you were this, if you're that, what's your personality like? What's this? And then we got this whole breakdown and like it told us what our brand was like. It was said things like, we're like the Greek chorus. Do you know what that is? Yeah. So like they explain the play. So like that's our role in things, the whole facilitation thing, helping out. Um, and so we took we, we tried to kind of take that really seriously. Like our brand never brags. We're not like braggy and like, oh, so full of ourselves. Like we try to kind of be understated. And so I try to remember that and kind of use that in all of our marketing. Like if you look at our website, if you go to greenraider.com, which is our website, we, we got like a fancy URL and it's both great and not great because people want to look up sustainable comfort, not Green Raider, and they get confused. But if you look at our homepage, you don't see our logo. You see just our icon. So we try to be very understated in everything that we do um, and not kind of be kind of in people's face. There used to be this old culture like you pushed on people, but now you want to kind of do have introduce strategy that brings them to you. And so we just try to do a good job. We get a lot of stuff by word of mouth. Um, Lots of referrals. You know, we do right by people. You you said yourself, we keep getting people, like people who are very active in the Worcester community see that we really care about Worcester and we're trying to better Worcester. And so they come knocking on our door and say, can, you, can I work here? Can I, can you find a place for me? I mean, yeah, like you said, we took Ian from downstairs and now he's leasing buildings for us, you know? Um, 
we have Ellen from Simjang. Now she's she's like we her title is accountability coordinator. So she's just like it's a quirky title. We wanted a quirky title for us because it for her because it fit her so well. And she's just like the one who comes in and makes sure things happen around here. Um, and then you know we took Liz from Worcester Magazine. She really just wanted to work here. She's like you guys are like my dream place. Um, and. It also works that way with clients, kind of. We just try to do good, like, we do and we don't. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there who listen to this and be like, oh, yeah, you think so. But that's fair. That's valid. That's part of our story. If you want to give us feedback, we're happy to entertain it. We we do what we can to just um, show people that we're trustworthy and committed to them, um, committed to bettering the lives of people and creating sustainable communities. So we... You know, if you look at our Instagram, which we newly started, um, we're just trying to be educational, not overly braggy, and just show people who we are and the people who work for us. That's something that you can't ignore. The people who work for you are part of your story. Well, I will say that I manage like five different Instagrams in the city, and it doesn't mean that I'm doing all the posts for them, certainly Mm -hmm. not, but like I am contributing in some way or overseeing or curating which I didn't know was a job, and I keep telling my students who are in seventh grade, I'm like, look, get good at social media. You know, we work on that. I always see on all five of those accounts, and they're vastly different organizations, all of them, I always see you guys liking the stuff that's being posted. One is an art organization. One is dedicated to literacy. Mm -hmm. One has to do with the veterans. You know, one is a pop culture podcast. But you guys are liking things across the landscape, and that's pretty amazing. Mm Yeah, we just want to be integrated in Worcester and everything. We're excited about the city. This is our home. You know, we're excited about what's going on here, and we want to be part of it. So everything gets exciting to us, I guess. You're doing a really good job. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I know that you're setting goals for yourself, I'm sure, in the process, too, and helping all of your employees to set goals. But how do you go about inspiring people or, like, setting a protocol so that they can set goals professionally and personally? Well, I could give you, like, the really, like, boring textbook thing. I mean, we do do this thing called scorecards, which they're, they're, they're like, a way to, like, look at every function you're responsible for. But, like, you don't just look at, like, here's, like, three things you have to do to be good at it. It looks at, like, your skills, what skills are required, like, soft skills, like communication, but then experience. But also, what's your attitude? That's important, and I think that gets overlooked um, it spells out search. So the next one is S-E-A-R is your results. What results do you need to have? C is cognitive abilities. And that one's really interesting because it's like what thought processes do you need to have? Like what's a good thought process you need to have to be able to perform your job well? And then the last one is H, habits. Like what habits do you need to, to have? But that's like kind of a, a boring answer that like any business person would give you. What I really like to do, and I think that this is something that when Ellen wrote that you should have me on this podcast because <laughs> Ellen and I work closely together, um, I, I really try to see people as people. And I really try to, you know, the best gift I was ever given were mentors. And I wouldn't be where I am today. I mean, like, well, some days I want to wake up and pinch myself. Like, I'm a vice president and a shareholder of a <laughs> green building company in Worcester. Like, what is going on? Like, me? You? And, like, it's because of my mentors. It's because I had people in my corner who told me, you're enough. 
you've got it. Trust your gut. You can do this. You know, like I was raised middle class. I was raised by an electrician. You know, he's like, go be a bank teller. You know, just do something respectable. And here I am, like co-owning a company, like considered an executive. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it's because of a mentor. If I didn't have somebody who believed in me. And so I was lucky to fall into a mentor. And I actually have a a subsequent, I've asked other people to mentor me because I know how powerful they are. But I don't think a lot of other people kind of are comfortable asking other people to mentor them or it just happens naturally. And so I try to mentor as many people as I can around here. Like I try to just take people under my wing. And the thing that I really work to do is everybody needs somebody in their life who finds a way to like gently tell them the things they need to work on. And if you don't have somebody like that in your life, oh, you're pointing. (laughs) Oh, no. No, it's good. I mean it in a good way. (laughs) Well, I guess that goes both ways. You know, you're receptive to certain people. Like Molly could say things to me that a lot of people couldn't. Well, and no, say, but that's what I mean is like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, and we've talked about this though. Yeah. Like we've talked about, I think Sarah and I like have a relationship like that working together on this, especially where like there was a while where Sarah was like, well, you have to stop like talking over everything. <laughs> Cause I'm always like, ah, ah. <laughs> and so like being like becoming more mindful of that and just, but it is, it's useful. Oh God. And I, the other day, after that 5K, I was like, man, Molly really showed up for me today. I said it to my husband. And he goes, Sarah, Molly always shows up for you. And I was like, it's so true. <laughs> but, yeah, I think it's important to have people with mutual respect who you're willing to take criticism from. Mm-hmm. I'm not always good at that. It's hard. Yeah. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And forced mentorship, I think, can be it can work negatively in the public schools. It's required right now that you're assigned a mentor when you start a new job. Um, and it's, it can be really awkward and things and you end up just finding your mentors naturally. Absolutely. You know? Sometimes yeah. in the least suspecting places too. Mm-hmm. I feel out everybody. Like I know who wants kind of the mentorship for me. And then I can tell when someone's like, no, I'm good. And you know, I pump the brakes, but the reason that you'll take criticism from her and is because you know it's coming from a place of love and trust and that's so important like if somebody's like really just nagging at you and they're not coming from a good place then you don't want it because it's not well intentioned and if it's well intentioned it can change your life listening to that kind of stuff and, and also uplifting at the same time you got to do both it's a mix <laughs> um, you mentioned on that on your like the checklist um what was the the scorecard or search Sorry, model yeah yeah is it a what was a Attitude. Attitude. So that's something that's discussed all the time in the sports world, intangibles. We're always like, oh. <laughs> like, I follow the NBA heavily, and it's like the one of the big, big, big things is like someone will get traded to a team or something, you know, something will happen, and everyone's like, oh, that guy's locker room poison. That's like the big phrase, but that's the whole idea is like, what's their attitude? How do they interact with their players? How do they take criticism from their coaches? It's the same exact thing. Like stars, they're just like us, right? <laughs> but it is like I think that I think that's a really big one that people don't always take into account, um, and it's especially I think a big thing, as you were saying, in sports they think of it a lot of times intangibles as like how do they deal with the younger guys? Mm-hmm. Do they take on a mentorship role? Do they like invest in their teammates and their players? So it's it's a fascinating parallel. Mm-hmm. You're basically 
the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Oh, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, that's exactly me. The thing about attitude that's interesting, too, is you can do it for onboarding. And so basically you can tell people what you think an acceptable length of time that you think they should be in, like, curiosity mode is. And then when you kind of think, like, you know, a month in, you should start turning to, like, more confident. You know, you can put those, you can, we have an onboarding plan that also factors in attitude. And it's like, at some point, you need to kind of turn from the curious person asking all the questions to, okay, I'm starting to get this. It's like a mental shift. The people I mentor, they... I think that they were laughing and saying they might do a drinking game to this podcast because there's like certain things that I espouse. And one of the things is mental, mental shifts. Like you got to like empower yourself to be like, I got this. I got this. I actually, I have a phrase for it. It's called task empowerment. I, I um, have gone to Dress for Success Worcester a few times. I volunteer with them. And I've given a talk to the women in the professional women's group and also in a transitional program, kind of like trying to get up to the professional level about how when somebody gives you a task, the best thing you can do is kind of like own it and like learn it and not be afraid of it. Like so often I think in a work environment, especially people who are new, they're asked to do something and they don't really understand all the facets of it. And they like get afraid of it and they don't know what to do and they get paralyzed. They go back to their desk and they're like, oh my God, I gotta have to recreate the wheel and ah. When like, if you just take a couple seconds, take a deep breath and then like, as a professional, go back to the person and say, hey, I reflected on this for a couple hours. I have some more questions. Can we talk this through? And then put it in your own words, you know, as opposed to this whole like fear thing. And I, I call that task empowerment. And I have a whole slide deck I give on it. You just <laughs> I, reminded me of a couple things. One was the moment in the office where the Jim gets a new <laughs> boss and they tell him to do a rundown. And he spends the whole day just like ruminating on what literally the rundown. whole day. <laughs> and he has no idea. My favorite moment is when he like goes to Charles, who's the new boss, and he's like been working really hard on this. And Charles was like, "It's sh- you shouldn't be. It's not. It's, it's just not a that level of task yet. Because <laughs> exactly. he can't even gauge like what what is what, like what yet. level of work he should be putting into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And the other thing it reminded me of was Reese Witherspoon has a new show on Netflix that is basically like pop it for celebs. Apple. Oh, it's called no no. Oh, but it this yeah I know. So she also has a show on Apple TV Plus, and I don't know how to watch it. I don't either. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. But this new show is called Shine On, and she interviews women who she really respects and asks like, hey, how was it as a woman working in a male-dominated industry? Or like, how did you get to this point? What is your advice? Or how did you find a mentor? And it's really awesome. But the one thing that she says is the people who are promoted most frequently and who people feel like they can rely on say, pass me the ball. No matter what, pass me the ball. I'll figure out what to do with it, but like, trust me, give it to me. I got this. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that idea. And they're not saying pass me seven balls, right? So I can't juggle them. But they're like, give me a shot and I will take the chance even if I don't maybe know what I'm doing yet. I'll figure it out. Yeah, just figure out steps to get it done. That's all task empowerment is. We talk about professional culture on this podcast. We talk about local culture, and then we also talk about pop culture. We do. And this was a big week for us because we've been following one story very closely. Um, Do you know about Rosie O'Donnell's connection to the city of Worcester? Um, Ellen made sure I did ahead of time. (laughs) She said it was going to be really important and that it was going to come up and that Molly was going to want to talk about it a lot and probably cry about it. No, I'm not going to cry. So Rosie got engaged last year to a member of the Mounted Police Unit, 
in Worcester, the only female member. Um, and, and they had been together for like a year previously. Like mm-hmm. it was pretty lengthy time. The origin story is that Rosie picked her out of the crowd at her show, and they started this torrid romance. But we got some sad news yeah. this week. It's it's over. It's off. <laughs> it's off. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like upset in the sense of like when I was really sad when like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston broke up. Like that was like the devastating blow to like my life at that time in, in 2015 or two sorry 2005. Different five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am sad because that means that like we may not get Rosie. And, <laughs> and also, yeah. it's sad for them, but. I know. <laughs> well, so, and then the thing that really surprised me was that Liz unfriended her, unfollowed her. They, yeah, so, like, they hadn't mentioned each other in a while, and then, like, they, I don't know if they, I don't know about the unfollow, but I do know that they, like, both deleted pictures. Mm-hmm. Like, she deleted the picture of, like, her ring, and all, yeah, like, all that kind of stuff. I also know that it was maybe a month and a half ago, a friend of ours said, I just saw Rosie pick Liz up from the building on Main Street, and I was like, I was like, wait a second, what? Yeah. Rosie's here, you know? And um, maybe that was the end. Maybe that was the end. Maybe that was it. Yeah, <gasps> was our last. When the big conversation. Yes, but, but it is. It's very sad for them. And then I was like, oh, let's really delve deep. And like you said, she's a real person. Yep. This woman, Liz, who's protecting us all in the city of Worcester, and it probably sucks for her right now a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's like long distance is hard as it is. Rosie does live in New York. Mm-hmm. So who knows what was going on? But Liz, we're on your team. We we appreciate you. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but Rosie, please still come on the show, right? It's just like a Rosie. I was just like such a Rosie fanatic as a kid, like with my grandma. The Rosie like, O'Donnell show? I watch the show all the time. Yeah. So now I'm like. When she'd throw the cooch or shoot the cooch balls. Yeah, yeah and cutie it. patootie, that was her uh, phrase. That's yeah. my, That's probably why she must have planted the Tom Cruise scene in my head and why I still, like, I'm so loyal to Tom Cruise. Ugh. But um, it is, <laughs> I think that Rosie is, keeps, it, like, she's got fi- her five kids mm-hmm. and she's got the granddaughter now and her son just got engaged. So I think, like, She's keeping busy. They'll she said on Howard, Stern, on Howard Stern maybe a year ago yeah. that she was like, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get married again. I've done it twice. And then she got engaged immediately after, you know, and we're yeah. like, wait a second. I think a lot of people are like that, though. Like, never again. Huh. Who knows? I feel bad for celebrities because what it must be like to yeah. be so famous and, like, just have all these people, like, watching your every move and, like, pining to get your attention. And right. it's got to, like be really hard to have normal relationships. Right. Like, it's like, not normal. A civilian. Me. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my mom, in the 90s, my mom had a big crush on Chris O'Donnell. You guys remember Chris O'Donnell? Oh, yeah. From Robin. Batman Forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was very cute. And I will never forget, at the time, she's a teacher, and at the time, she was a kindergarten teacher. And I'll never forget one time she, like, came home and was, like, I was, like, a kid. Like, I was, like, eight. And she was, like... Chris O'Donnell is marrying a kindergarten teacher. Like, she was like, this could be me. And I remember being like, oh, man, like, it could be you. Like, this is crazy. But it mu- that must, I just always think of that as, like, the ultimate, like, a movie star. And a kindergarten teacher, like, the ultimate, like, whoa, like, okay. kind of relationship. So then we have to talk about Keanu Reeves. Yes, that's on my notes here. Alexandra Grant. <laughs> I have lots of notes on Keanu's new girlfriend. 
So I don't know <laughs> if you saw these pictures. They just came out in the last... Uh, they were from last weekend. Last weekend. But Keanu Reeves was on the red carpet, like, being all cuddly and nice. At a, at a LACMA event. A woman who has silver hair and... Everyone thought she was Helen Mirren. She's in her late 40s, and he's 55. So I don't know why it's newsworthy, but people freaked out. Okay. It is so newsworthy. Okay, tell me. Keanu Reeves has not appeared with a girlfriend on a red carpet in 25 years. Wow. His last girlfriend that he appeared on the red carpet with was um, lost a, a child that she had been carrying. That, like, that was their kid. And then, like, not long after that, died in a car crash. Oh, wow. So it's been 25 years since, like, he has appeared and what's been happening over the last few years ever since like the first John Wick came out is like the slow memification of like Keanu Reeves because at first it started with like the sad sad Keanu meme which is like him sitting on a bench by himself but and everyone and then people started sharing the story of just like the tragedy of like what happened to his girlfriend and then I think he like lost his mom and his sister in quick succession like some crazy thing and people just seem to really love him I guess he's just like a super nice guy so then John Wick came out and everyone was like, wait, he's like good. Like, this is great. And so uh, slowly the whole entire internet has just like embraced Keanu as like a like a universal, lovable person. Well, he had two moments of love for me this year. One where he wasn't touching women's backs when he would yes. take pictures. He would like put his arms just, I don't know, maybe a foot in the yeah. back. And fans asked him to take pictures yeah. all the time. And he, just, and he would do the Keanu and like have his arm around them but not be touching them. It's your and personal I, space. I thought that was great. And then he was in a Netflix rom-com called Always Be My Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And he played himself, and it was, like, such a farcical version. It was hilarious. He made himself look like such a weirdo. <laughs> I have a great follow-up to that, which is that Ali Wong, who is the star of that movie, did a comedy show, like, three weeks ago or a month ago in New York City, and he just, like, strolled in and sat in the regular audience. Of course. To, like, watch the show. And I guess he got moved. I guess they were like, please come sit here. <laughs> but he, like, walked in just to, like, go, like, support her. And I thought that was wonderful. So but he yeah. has an art girlfriend. Yeah. She's from the art world. She illustrated his book. Hmm. I've heard they've, they met. I heard they've had a romance for a few years that they've been keeping quiet. I, I saw a headline online. I heard that it's been, like, a year since they started dating. But okay. they've known each other for, like, quite some time. They've mm-hmm. been, like, professional so it's a substantial Partners. relationship. Yeah. Because when we talk about Rosie getting engaged, again, part of my mind thought, like, well, maybe for celebrities, like, that's how you make it exclusive, you get engaged, because everything is so blown up and so, I don't know, yeah. hyperbolic if you're a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me of my Would You Rather of the Week. Um, yes. Shay Mitchell, she's from Pretty Little Liars. She got invited to Drake's birthday party. And I imagine there has to be, like, an echelon of celebrity. And I wouldn't put her with Drake. But she's got, like, friends. Because isn't her boyfriend, I think that, like, or the father of her child is someone who's, like, who runs in his circles. All right. Well, that would make more sense. Yes. I guess I was thinking, like, oh, man, you got invited to Pretty Drake's birthday? Yeah, yeah. This is your one shot. <laughs> but she took a lot of flack because she had just given birth. Now, she had announced that she had a daughter three days before the birthday party, but that doesn't mean she necessarily right. had the kid three days before. You're a mom, too, so you can shed some light on this for sure. But she went to the birthday party. Would you rather go and then face the criticism of everyone being like, you have a newborn at home. What are you doing? Your body's not ready for that. Or stay home and miss the party and, like, have this FOMO. Oh, God. Um, 
if I was in her shoes, I'd rather go and get the criticism because mom shaming is real and you get it no matter what. Mm-hmm. So if that's what it's going to take for you to feel like yourself again and like not have to deal with postpartum depression and that's something that makes you happy because like you lose your sense of self like pretty quickly, especially when you're on maternity leave and you're just home with this baby. Um, personally, though, I struggled with not I wouldn't call it postpartum depression, but like definitely like for the first couple months, it was really hard for me to be separate from both my kids. And then you get over that kind of quickly. <laughs> and then you're like, oh, then they get a little bit older. Then they get four or five. And you're like, oh, okay, well, I bye. Think yeah. <laughs> I do think that that's the case. I think that like some people are built to like, they have a baby and they don't need to be with that, with the baby, like all the time right after. But then I do think that some people just like want to be there all the time. I think, but yeah, I think it's just like, I personally would be like, yeah, I've never had a kid. I don't want to give birth to any children. But like, I imagine that there is something that's like, that for a lot of people keeps you home. You do what you got to do. Like, do you want to go? Do you not want to go? It's up to you. I know. Well, that's what I was thinking. She obviously wanted to go. So she went. Yeah. She might have had to wear like diapers or whatever. No, I I read that it was actually several weeks later. (laughs) It's just the timing of the Instagram post was unfortunate for her. Okay, like, as somebody who's given birth three days after, like, you're in no shape to go to a party. Like, you would have, uh, yeah, believe me, like, that wouldn't be happening. Like, I don't think, I mean, all the power to you if you can, but I mean, there's there's things, yeah, just trust. (laughs) But weeks later, yeah, I mean, that could be really good for, like, feeling like yourself again. I want to have sure. babies. I have no idea how I'll react, like physically, emotionally. My yeah. sister-in-law said, any sort of anxieties you've ever had in your life, just go out the window because all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I'm in charge of a human, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, I thought that that was a beautiful thing and also a terrifying thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get less concerned with your own small little issues. Like you kind of like. Like, all the things you kind of, like, self-make in your head. Like, oh, God. Like, suddenly you're now your kid, like, I don't know, you're having trouble potty training. And that becomes, like, the center of your universe while you try to get it done. And all these little things you worried about, like, oh, what are people thinking of me are gone. Because you're, like, just trying to get a kid to pee in the potty and not on your floor. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. The only other thing yes. that I was struggling this week Is with, it with Apple TV yes, Plus, because I wanted it doesn't to make watch. any sense. Okay, there's this show. It's called The Morning Show. Mm-hmm. It has Steve Carell. It has Reese Witherspoon. Jennifer Aniston. It has Don't Jennifer Aniston here. And I really wanted to watch it, and I'm like, okay, I should be able to get this new network on Roku. Nope. I should be you able need- to get this new network on our, what do we have, a PlayStation or uh, something? Do you need nope. an Apple TV? Yeah. I think I can get it on my MacBook. I, but, like, yeah, I, I prefer. Say, can you watch it on iTunes? I prefer not to watch things on my computer, but like, whatever. I don't know. But the first week is free. I know that. And then I think it's only $5 a month. I'm just looking at some of the other shows because I was trying to remember because I've read the synopses of some of them <laughs> and like there's some that sound totally crazy. Like C, the show starring Jason Momoa who's like Khal Drogo from Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And it's like in in a future where like it's, like, in a future um, dystopian society where, like, humans have lost their sight and there's, like, this evil queen who's, like, bring the children who can see to me. Because I guess there's, like, <laughs> some kids being born with sight and it looks really bad. <laughs> so, obviously, no, you want to like, watch it. Kind of. <laughs> but um, there's another show that's uh, called Dickinson about Emily Dickinson. But, like, not 
you know, it is, but it's, like, totally fictionalized, and it's, like, a quirky, like, it looks like a fun show. But she's played by Haley Steinfeld, who I really like, who was um, in that remake of True Grit a while ago. Mm-hmm. She's great. But, yeah, it is. I don't understand it. No one has, there's been, usually, like, when stuff like this happens, like, new streaming things, people are like, here's how to do it. And I've seen, like, no guidance. And we should say <laughs> that it's a new streaming service like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. Uh, what is your viewing source of choice? Um, probably Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, I mean, people are like settled into Netflix, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really I'm watching Jane the Virgin right now. Have you ever watched that? No, that is yeah, like, great. oh my god! I just thought it was just going to be some like boring like kind of chick show that was like really kind of corny, but like it's like a mo- it's like a Americanized telenovela. Telenovela. Thank you, telenovela. But they like know that it is, so then it like mm-hmm. circles upon itself. Yeah, it doesn't take itself seriously, and it's just so fun to watch. I can't. I oh my god! There's like 120 something episodes. I'm like eating every single one of them up. But her dad. Oh, yeah. I have such a big crush on him. Jaime Camille. I'm like, every time he comes on, I'm like, you're so handsome and charming. (laughs) I've been saving that one for a rainy day because my favorite podcast is called Pop Culture Happy Hour, and the host, Linda Holmes, loves it. And she's like, this is something to get you through election season or whatever, you know, when you need to feel good. But we went through and said our favorite podcast. Molly, what was yours? How did this get made? I've talked about it before. It's just goofy and funny, and they watch terrible movies with often with, like, comedian guests um, highly recommend the Solar Babies episode well that's the best one (laughs) and Andrea I know you love podcasts what is your favorite podcast so hard to pick but if I have to pick one for the sake of today I'd say probably Ear Hustle have you ever listened to that it's done in San Quentin um, prison in California it's the first podcast ever done from prison and it just talks it just teaches you what it's like to live in a state of being deprived basically um and just what how people persevere and i've just changed my viewpoint on like redemption like redemption is the heart of humanity there's the governor out there who pardoned yeah, a few people gavin newsom before him it was like brown Jerry or something. Brown. yes governor moonbeam he um he pardoned a couple of prisoners and they did a, an episode where they like talked to him and he was like redemption is at the heart of humanity and it's true. And then you saw, remember last month, the, the woman, the policewoman in Houston or wherever in Texas oh, who, yeah. like, went in the wrong apartment and shot. And shot and Botham Jean. At the they end, his brother went up and hugged her at the sentencing and, like, forgave her. It's like redemption and forgiveness is at the heart of humanity. And it's like, it's just, I don't know. It's just the most amazing podcast I've ever heard. And. It's changed my wor- my my views on the world. See, I listen to like really yeah. intense podcasts. It's entirely, I guess. Um, is it entirely like made by prisoners? prisoners? Yes, yeah. or um, former prisoners yeah. also because they talk about what life's on the outside is like. Oh. But it's a real treat. It's won some Peabody Awards. It constantly yeah. gets nominated. It's ear it's hustle. Ear hustle. You won't regret it. You won't yeah. regret it. Yeah. There's a That's great amazing. article in the New York Times style section for this coming Sunday, but it's already online. And it's about a woman named Christina Randall. And she got out of prison and tried to get all of these jobs. And, like, she worked her ass off, right? She was, like, a line cook. And then she went back to school for social work. And she finally got a job working with kids. And she got there. And they were like, sorry, we ran a background check. You cannot work here. And so she started a YouTube channel talking about what it was like 
to live in prison and then the rehabilitation process and the shortcomings of introduction back into society. And she has been like very commercially successful. She has tons of sponsors now. And um, it's a really similar kind of vibe where she's like, nope, let's talk about this. And if I'm going to be held back in the workplace, even though I've found redemption and I've put in my time and I've changed as a person, like, well, then I'm going to share this message with everybody else and still find success on my own terms. Think about how much you've had to come to terms. Like, to redeem yourself, it means you've been to such a dark place that you, you like, had to take all these steps to better yourself. Actually, we've, we've hired people who have been incarcerated before. We've hired people. We, we believe in redemption here as a company. Well, because, like, if you're still in society seen through the eyes of just, like, being a second-class citizen and being a prisoner or being a criminal for your whole life, then where do you, how do you get out of like if there's if people aren't opening doors to those people and if workplaces are not welcoming the like redemption stories, then how do you how does the world evolve? Like how do we how do we thrive and survive as humanity? Redemption is at the heart of humanity. So I said it. <laughs> Well, I think that's a perfect note yeah. to leave on. This was really wonderful. Thank you yeah. for having me. Thank you for coming. Yeah. This is great. I have been Sarah. I've been Molly. Check out Sustainable Comfort on Instagram, online, and everywhere else. Yes. What is it? Green Raider, like R-A-T-E-R. Yeah, T as in Thomas. Yes. T-E-R.com. Yep. Green like the color green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this was Poppet. Thank you. Bye.